So uh, we'll look at pharmacology. Before going to the nervous system and its medication, we'll look at uh, some of the important things. Those things we need to do with certain things about the pharmacology, like uh, they are very out of it that we need to know. So those aspects are important to look at. They are important to know. That's why we'll look at before going into the topic itself. <clears throat> now, in pharmacology, we'll look at uh, pharmacokinetics. Now, when you look at the word pharmacokinetics in pharmacology, it's simply, uh, simply referred to how medication travel in our body. Now, pharmacokinetics, these are words that I want us to know. Pharmacokinetics. Yes, they are, we are familiar with it, but uh, in order to know it, but we got to know it like we got to know it without looking in the book. Now, this is about how the drugs travel in our body, travel of medication in the body. Now, when you take the medication, when it is deposited, now from where the drugs are deposited in the stomach, depending on <clears throat> the drugs, whether it is PO or I or it is parenteral or it is oral medication or enteral medication, it depends on the drugs you are taking. Whether it is topical or any other type of medication you're going to take, um, the drugs will need certain things, certain environment to be feasible for the drugs to travel to where it is supposed to be delivering its desired effect. If you have <coughs> a headache, excuse me, if you have headache, um, the drugs will be taken into your intestinal mucosa. If you take a Tylenol, now it will be taken into the intestinal mucosa. It remains there. It is broken down by other gastric content. And it is it is transported from where it is deposited to where it is needed. So that process is what we refer to as the pharmacokinetics of the medication of, or of the drugs. Now, these medications undergo variety of different biochemical processes that will make it better for it to be used to where it is needed. That's about this particular, uh, about this medication. It will look at the drug absorption, the drugs distribution, the drugs metabolism, and the drugs excretion. Now, we have various organs <coughs> in our body, excuse me, that can, <coughs> excuse me, we have different organs in our body that excrete medication. Now, these organs, they excrete different kinds of medication. The skin, the kidneys, the lungs, um, our rectum. Medications are excreted from our body through those means, through different means. Sometimes there are some drugs that you take the medication, the bottle of the drug is excreted through the urine. Sometimes it's excreted through the sweat. Sometimes it's excreted through the lungs when you are breathing. So sometimes when there are some drugs, okay, when you take the medication, when urine gets red or yellow or orange, don't panic. That's the drugs that is coming out. Some drugs, when you take them, when you sweat, your clothes that you wear change will change color. They'll say, okay, don't panic. That's the drugs that is that is coming out of your body. These things occur. So all these things are what we've everything will fall under pharmacokinetics of medication. <clears throat> now, when it comes to uh 
drugs, we have different drugs. Let's look at drugs absorption. Medication as a whole, uh, <clears throat> from where it is located, where it is deposited, when you take these drugs, where it is deposited, and uh, what takes it from there to other part, part of the body parts, how it is absorbed by the body cells to use them, is what we call the absorption. Now, in this drugs absorption, we look at <clears throat> uh, the GI tract, the muscles, the blood vessels, the mucous membrane, the subcutaneous tissues. These are all aiding uh, environment, or uh, aiding body part, body organs, body uh, constituent that help to what to, to distribute or to absorb the drugs we're going to take. Now, <clears throat> when it comes to absorption, um, the most common route of absorption is the enteral route or route. Now, the enteral route through the GI tract is what we call the enteral route. The one you take in your mouth goes to the GI tract is the enteral route. Now, the ones you take through your blood, through your muscle, is what we call the parenteral route. Now, um, the most the most common ones is by mouth, enteral. Now, <clears throat> every route of drugs absorption has different mode of action. It has different things uh, that can be done <clears throat> to ease the process. Now, each of these routes has a unique pattern, like I said. Now, the rates at which these drugs are absorbed determines how soon the drugs will take effect. Now, <clears throat> there are some drugs, <coughs> it is very slower because it is taking PO. Now, that same drug comes in another form, form. It comes in injectable. So if we desire a faster effect, we'll go in and, and, and mentor the one, the, the one that is injectable. So there are some drugs that uh, we, we uh, go through nasally uh, as a spray. In that case, it could be faster. So it depends on the route of administration. That's how fast the drug's gonna uh, produce its desired effect. Now, then we have the amount of drugs the body determines to absorb. Sometimes we must increase the drug dose to be able to be absorbed and provide its therapeutic effect readily. Sometimes we have to increase the drug. That's why in drugs, in, 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 in medicine, we have the loading dose. Now, the loading dose and the maintenance dose are not the same. <clears throat> in many cases, the loading dose is always higher than the, what? the maintenance dose. Sometimes we go and give half of the, of the, of, of, of the, of the loading dose for uh, the maintenance dose. So the, the loading dose is the first dose that we, that we administer to arrest the situation why the maintenance dose is the dose that we use to maintain, to maintain <clears throat> that therapeutic level in the body as the client goes through his or her treatment. Now, also look at <clears throat> the dose that will affect the drugs route. Now, there's a reason why sometimes when we are in emergency, we do not take certain drugs through PO. There's a reason why sometimes, even if we're not in emergency condition, we still do not administer certain medication through PO because there are some drugs when they were through PO. Now, in our intestines, in our stomach, there are so much <coughs> gastric content. 
those enzymes, those acids that help to break down our food we eat. Now, those acids, there are some drugs that cannot withstand the strength of those acids and those enzymes or those gastric juices. Now, in short, <clears throat> if we ever took drugs that would be affected by those that would that, that can be affected by those gastric juices or those enzymes, it affects the drugs mode of action. It affects the drugs therapeutic effect. Sometimes the drugs will not work. That's why we have to escape the route. Now we have what we call the pass down effect on this medication. We'll look at those things when we reach to it. There are so many different effects that the body can have on drugs that will make the drugs contraindicated to be used in a particular route. Now, <clears throat> then we look at various medication. We have the oral medication. We have the sublingual medication. Now, I'm not going to go into this one by one because it, uh, we've learned this thing before and we've seen it before. So I'm going to look at them <clears throat> in a nutshell as we sail ahead. Now, we have the real route of medication administration now. This route we have one. The oral. Now, the oral route of medication, um, it has uh, what we call it, it contains barriers to absorption. Now, under here, the drugs must pass through layers in the GI tract before it can be absorbed. Now, as the drug <coughs> passes through those layers, the effects, the therapeutic effect of the drugs will keep reducing until it reaches its point of action. So that's why certain medication do not administer a PO or the, it does not have a PO form because if you give a PO, we might not, uh, we might not experience the therapeutic effect. Now, like I said, sometimes the GRPH is so high against it. Sometimes um, there are other medications that we administer along with those medications. There are several drugs that will counteract the effect of one of the drugs we administer, like the antacid. Antacid are drugs that always, that in many cases, <clears throat> that will counteract negatively the effect of other medication, like antibiotics. You cannot take antibiotics along with antacid. You cannot decide it because antacid has a part effect that will reduce the strength of those antibiotics. That's why we always take antacid at least an hour before other medication or at least 30 minutes or, or, or sorry or at least an hour after those medication or because they have the ability to, to reduce the effect of the medication. Then we have the sublingual. The sublingual Sublingual. Now, the sublingual route of drugs is where we use the drugs or we swallow before the solution of this medication. We place it on our tongue or we call it the sublingual or the buca or buca medication or buca route. Now, this is where we either put it on our tongue or we put it in our mouth somewhere until it remains in the it dissolved in our mouth, it dissolved in our buca cavity. Those drugs, those drugs are what we call <coughs> the sublingual drugs. And some of those drugs we have is what? A drug we call cytotec. Cytotec or mesoprostol. Mesoprostol is a drug that goes sublingually and it also goes vaginally. So we can give it to the uh, vagina 
or <coughs> it goes through sublingual. But in this case, is example of the one the sublingual drugs. There are some drugs like uh, the neck, the, the natural glycerin, <coughs> we place it on our tongue and it remains there a while. It dissolves like the vitamin C. We suck on it, put it in our mouth. When, whenever you swallow it, <coughs> it won't be able to give it effect because it is due. It is due to to work on the one the mucous membrane. Drugs that are to be given in a particular route, if the route is changed without that other, it's wrong. Sometimes it's not going to work. Then we have um, the rectal and vaginal route. We have the rectal, <coughs> the rectal or vaginally. Now, this drug on here, you have the what? You have like the Tylenol suppository. You have like a <coughs> other basic coda suppository that will insert into the rectum. Those are all what? rectal medication those are all rectal routes for this medication you have like the volume sometimes we give volume rectally when the client is having seizure when the client is having some problem we give it while like like diastasis is all called the volume <clears throat> we draw it and put it rectally and we administer it if a client is having a seizure some client will say if the, if the client seizure persists it, it does not end within four minutes after four minutes you administer the diastasis <clears throat> so some client has prn diastasis order so the client start to have a seizure and the client is not recovering the seizure in the first four minutes, the fifth minute you administer the diastat. So those are examples for what? For rectal drugs. Or you have the nastatin vaginal insert as an example of what? Vaginal medication. <clears throat> These drugs, they are so many things. Now for the rectal medication, you always want to check whether the client has a stool in there before you can what? Before you can administer Because sometimes when you go to administer the rectal drug, uh, if there is stood in there in the rectum, definitely the, the drugs will not work because it's going to go and get stuck in the stool and the client will only uh, put it excreted out during the time of defecation. So in that case, it's not going to work. So the nurse must always check the client rectum to see whether there is any impacted feces before administering this rectal suppository. Now, <clears throat> then we have... Um, Drugs that we inhale, the inhalants. Now, the inhalants are another group of drugs. The inhalant. Now, the inhalants are other group of medication. You have like a, those are drugs for airway obstruction. You have like a, they are, you have those night, those are, those nasal spray. The one we inhale when the client has an asthmatic attack. Those drugs are for other drugs for inhalation. They have the, the inhalation route. It could be in the nose or it could be in the mouth. Then you have the intradermal medication. The intradermal route or topical route, these routes are slow and they are gradual in absorption. So in that case, they take time for you can you have the those packets you put on this on the body parts for pains, for other things that the the ladder cane parts and other things, those are things we pull on. The client body, topical or those women will rub on the body, those bam, those uh, those those pain bam that we use to what uh, to reduce pains in our joints and other things. Then <clears throat> we have the subcutaneous medication. Now the subcutaneous medication or the intramuscular. So we 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 join subcutaneous medication or the intramuscular drugs. Now these are these are route that we use to what. Uh, 
to administer drugs into the client's muscle. In this case, these drugs, these routes do not have significant barrier to drugs absorption because when you administer the drugs RM, it goes directly into the into the client muscle. So the IM medication does not have the IM route has a lesser has a lesser effect on this medication or that is on how the drugs are absorbed now then we look at the um <clears throat> the intra the rv now the rv is the fastest it is the most dangerous it is it, it is what we cannot recall once it is administered to recall it it becomes difficult that's why we have the three checks on the medication we have all the rights to manage and make sure these drugs are administered accordingly and to the patients that, that they are due to be given to. Now, at any point in time, if we are using this medication and we make a mistake, definitely for the ones that have antidote, before we administer these drugs, we should always have their antidotes available. The ones that do not have antidote, we should make sure and follow the guidelines for this medication. Now, so these are the routes for medication that we must understand and look at them keenly. Drugs also have what we call metabolism. Now, this is where the drug is broken down, how it is broken down. It's, it's important to understand how medications are broken down when it comes to pharmacology. The reason is <clears throat> we'll understand how it is excreted we'll understand what are the changes in our body that will occur when these medications are being metabolized or they are being excreted from our body. So we have to understand this little thing about this medication. Then we look at the, when it comes to drugs metabolism, is what we call the drugs biotransformation. Uh, bio so the drugs is taken, like you, you took a Tylenol PO. You know, it's not, it's not the, the body will not use the Tylenol PO in its white form. The Tylenol PO has, has, has ingredients that the body will need. So the act of the body extracting those ingredients from Tylenol PO and use it for the purpose of which it was taken, whether it's for fever or pain, that is what we call biotransformation. So the drugs goes through that what we call the word biotransformation. Now these words, we must understand them because the reason why I'm going through it like this, when you look at them, in your in your books it is important because sometimes they might use these words in the endless it might not be the question but if these words are used in the anchor and you don't know what the words meaning or, 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 or what the word meanings are then they become problem to what to answer the question the one we call it the first pass effect the first pass of the drugs this this is another one of the first pass effect now, the first pass if of medication, we must understand because this falls under the drug's metabolism. Now, the first pass effect is uh, wherein the liver, the liver works on medication. The liver detoxifies medication when we take them. Now, there are some drugs that will be very strong. When it goes through the liver, it reduces the strength of that drug, so the drugs cannot be effective. That's what we call the, the drug's first pass effect. The liver <clears throat> causes the drugs to be inactive because the liver goes through it and place on the medication those enzymes from the liver to break it down and transform the drug. Now, in that process, 
Some drugs cannot withstand those effects. So when that happens, the drugs become less effective. So the first pass effect, the liver inactivates some medication on their first pass through the liver. Thus, they require a non-enteral route, sublingual or IV, because of their high first pass effect. Now, so if the drugs has a first pass effect, the drugs cannot be used as a pure medication. If the drugs has a first pass effect, the drugs cannot be used as, <clears throat> as a PO. So the drugs will be used enterally. In that case, if you use the drugs enterally, the drugs bypasses the liver. So it wouldn't go through the liver's first pass effect. So those are things that will, will know honor the metabolism of medication. Now for, for age, in age group, infants will not take the same dose or dosage as an adult. That which we know clearly. So there are some drugs we have age range for it, like the antihelmetic, the worms medication. Below two years, you can take those drugs because it is not okay for you. It's not gonna work, it's not gonna do any good for you, it will not create harm. So, in that case, we don't take those drugs. There are certain medications we don't take below certain age. So, age variation plays a major role when it comes to the work to pharmacology. Then we have called a similar metabolic pathway. Now, drugs can be taken. Um, two or three drugs can be grouped and taken at once. Now, drugs that have to take the similar metabolic pathway, there, uh, there can be some down effect, or, uh, there can be some lesser therapeutic effect of those drugs. Take for example, there's a reason why the TCA, the tricyclic antidepressant, cannot be given with so many different medications. The monoamines, oxidase inhibitors. There are several drugs we don't administer them along with the Y. The myos. There are several drugs we do not administer it along with the Y with the SSRI, the pseudonym reuptake inhibitor medication. Because those drugs and the SSRIs or the MAOIs or the TCAs, they do not work together on the same pathway. They all take the same pathway, so in that case, they will counteract. Now, that counteraction is why we do not need in pharmacology. That's why they will say, if this person is on this medication, do not sell this medication. If the man is on, uh, like in the case of a uh, phenyl tone, and, and in the case of a uh, Viagra, we don't serve it. If the client is on the drugsine, we don't serve Viagra. Because these drugs might counteract each other on the same pathway, so we do not serve them at all. These are things we must look at. Then sometimes also, the drugs has the nutritional effect. We want to go and understand what medication can we take on empty stomach or NPO? What drugs can we take before eating or after eating? Like those TB drugs, the anti-TB medication, the anti-TB drugs are to be taken on what? On empty stomach. We cannot eat before administering these drugs. We always take this medication on one in the morning around 5 a.m. That's when the drugs are administered. Because at that point in time, we've slept the whole night, we've gotten up in the morning, and our belly is empty. So when we take the anti-TB medication, these drugs work for us the best way possible. There are some drugs that, like the apoprofen, you don't take it on empty stomach. If you take it on empty stomach, it will cause what? Gastric. A, 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 a problem it will irritate the gastric mucosa there are some drugs you don't take without food some drugs don't take, you don't take it long while 
with direct products. There are some medication that you take with what with food. Some you take a while with juice or other because if not, the taste of the medication is so horrible that you cannot take it with all uh, juice or something that will like apple sauce or sweetener. So we have to understand which medication can we take with food, which one can we take without food. These are important to us. Now when you read the medication list, when you have the drug list in your hand, when you get a medication, you, you are supposed to look at these drugs according to how the question is going to come in the end place. It's not about reading the drugs to know the drugs and about just know. It's about what are the things you're going to read about the drugs that the end class will ask you about. One, the drugs class. Now, you might not know all the drugs in the drugs book. Even the end class doctors, they do not know this medication. Even the pharmacists, even the pharmacologists, they do not know all the drugs in the world because there are variety of drugs industries industries in the world. Now, what is expected of you and I as nurses going for the endless is for us to know the most frequently used medications that we're going to have in the endless or we see every day. Now, those are drugs we're going to see every day. Those are drugs we're going to use every day. Those are drugs we we'll see for our patients at, at work, at home, at the nursing home, at the group home, at the hospital. These are common drugs. So it is it, it, uh, it is it a pause to know those most frequently used medication. We must know their classes, know their mode of action, know their adverse effect. The adverse effect of these drugs are the most general ones. So we do not want to escape a drug without knowing the adverse effect. We should know the drug's black box warning. If the drug has a low therapeutic index, now the therapeutic index is... Um, at what level the drugs become therapeutic and at what level it becomes toxic. Now, drugs with low therapeutic indexes, those medications, we must know the blood level or the serial level for those drugs because if we go above those serial level, it's going to be toxic for us and in that case, it's going to create harm to the patient. So some drugs, if you look in your book, if you look in the Saunders book, you have drugs in the therapeutic indexes, you have those drugs available in there. You want to go and look at those drugs. Drugs like carbamazepine, pains, drugs like phenytoins, drugs like dalantin, uh, uh, drugs like uh, digoxin, drugs like uh, even sometimes uh, living has a while, Tylenol has a therapeutic level. We must know those things to make them part of us in the for, for us in the end class. Now, after that, then a drugs might have called a black box warning. The drugs black box warning is one of the most now other of drugs. We must know that this drugs cannot be given in to pregnant women. This drugs is category A, category B, category C, category D, category X, category category not available. Now we must know this category of drugs and know what they mean and would know exactly what are the antidotes. If they exist for these drugs, and those things to focus on and look at it very well. Then, um, like I said, therapeutic index with a, a drug with a high therapeutic index have a wide safety margin. Let's understand this: a drug with a high therapeutic index, high therapeutic index. When a drug has a high therapeutic index, um, therapeutic index meaning it has a one a high safety margin 
drugs with low therapeutic index has a low safety margin. Example of those medications you have is digoxin. Digoxin has a low therapeutic index. That's why we must monitor the client before we the digoxin. Another one is dilantin. Another one is carbamazepines. These drugs have low therapeutic indexes. So we must monitor the client therapeutic level, the therapeutic blood level to know. The book is a certain medication. If the drug is, if the client serum is above certain therapeutic index, you do not administer it. So they are in our books. They are in the Sanders book. We have to open the book, go there, look at them, read them and know the tablet indexes for this medication. We must know it without seeing them. We must see them. Now, there's an app, like I said, we they call Pinterest. If we have Pinterest, log onto Pinterest and check for drugs therapeutic indexes. It will bring you everything. Drugs or, or, or antidotes. It will bring you this medication antidote. We have to read this thing because they're going to come in the end class and they expect us to know them very well. We must know them. If we have the cell phones in our hand, let's make use of this cell phone. Let's make maximum use of them. Let's explore. Let's go into phone adventure. Let's look at this thing that are necessary for our anklets. It is important to know them for the anklets. Then um, we have the half life. Now, a half life refers to the time of the medication in the body to drop by 50%. So, the drug's half life is another point that we need to know for the medication. Drugs have life. The half life of the medication is um, it, it means the time it takes the drug the drugs to drop by fifty percent. Meaning, you took one hundred. Let's say you took one thousand milligram of Tylenol and eh, of Tylenol. Now this drug, the said the drugs have life is what. They might say two hours. In this case, when you take a 1,000 gram of Tylenol, within two hours time, this drug will reach its uh, half-life, meaning the strength of the drugs will be the half-life. Now, this means sometimes some people draw it on the graph. So you have the drugs, like the, the graph like this. You have the time here, and you have the drugs um, therapeutic level here. So I hear a zero, the drug is taking this like 8 a.m. They say in two hours. So 8 a.m., 9, 10, 11 here. You have one hour, two hour, three hour, four hour, five, six hour. Now at this point is where the drugs was administered. Now the drugs were administered, it started going up, going up, going up. One hour, two hours. So at this point right here, it is the drugs have life. So when the drugs reach this point, meaning the drugs will stop function. Uh, uh, it might reach a minute it has reached its highest therapeutic level so at this point it does not go so at this point it stops here instead of what to drop down so at this point the drug is the drug finished acting so that's why when a client takes morphine for pain if the client takes if the, like that, a client took morphine for pain and they, they said the, the drug is given every four hour prn Morphine is a every four hour PRN now. That means in the first two hours of the drugs, the drugs will be working 
to reach a therapeutic level. This is a therapeutic level, the therapeutic level. So in two hours, a regular therapeutic level. Now this two hours is the same as the one they have life. Now the balance two hours, it was not a drag. It function because it, it has reached uh, it has reached its maximum point of effect or therapeutic effect. So at this two hour, it will drag down. When it reaches this point, definitely the drugs will stop working. Then you ask the client, are you in pain? Yes, I'm in pain. Okay, so we'll go back, we go and get the client another, another, another dose of morphine. We get the client drugs level, the client, the client drugs therapeutic level has dropped. The client has come out in the pain. So every drug has a half-life. So half-life is when the drugs has reached 50% of a therapeutic effect on the body. That becomes what we call the drugs half-life. These are things we want to look at. Some drugs have short half-life, um, wherein it leaves the body very quickly. So if some drugs have four to eight hours of half-life, that's when it leaves the body. So in a half-life, it leaves the body between that time. Now, short dose interval or drugs might be desired. Drugs with shorter half-life will give them more time. Some drugs can be given Q four hour, Q six hours, meaning we give it one four times a day. Some drugs are given one Q eight hours. We give it three times a day. Now it depends on the drug's half-life. That's how the, the drug will be administered like three times a day, four times a day, or five times a day. It depends on the drug's half-life. Because if the drug has a shorter half-life, meaning we administer more time within 24 hours. If the drug has a longer half-life, Drugs with a longer half life, these drugs go for about 24 hours. Like, example is the insulin. Now, we have the short acting, the long acting. Now, some long acting go about 12 to 24 hours. So, these drugs they have a longer half life. Now, because of the time of this medication that is spent, the, the longer half life of the medication, so we administer once a day. At that time, maybe like in the morning, until the next morning, because it has a longer half life, so it remains trapped. It remains at a therapeutic level in the body until the next day. So these are words you must understand and know for the medication. You have like a drug metabolism, the first pass effect medication, the drugs um half life, the drugs um the drugs therapeutic index. These are things we understand. Now before going into uh our course itself, at the, our, our, our today's topic, I will look at few words before going in the focus in our today's topic. Um, let me just go through these few words, then we'll look at question. We'll see where we have question and answer. Now, under here, these are what I want to remember very well. We have words like antagonist, antagonist of antagonist. That's one. Another word I want to look at is we have the agonist, two, the agonist. Now another word we want to look at on medication is what we call um, we have partial agonist. Now, but we'll look at antagonist and agonist to tell you what it means, and then we should remember this thing because we, as we're going ahead, um, we'll see more drugs. Or let's look at another word we call inhibitor. Another one is inhibitor. Now inhibitor is a big thing. Inhibitors in narrative uh, in, in, in because you, you have proton pump inhibitors, you have uh AC inhibitors, 
those drugs, they are worse. These wars, when they add to those medication listing, it changes the meaning of the medication. Now, let's look at the one time. Agonist. Agonist bind to or it mimics it mimics the activities that were in the uh, that are in the genus for the compound regulation. For example, morphine is an agonist because it activates the receptor that produces analgesia. Morphine is for pain, right? Morphine is for pain, but in itself, morphine is not a pain medication. Now, what, what does it mean? Morphine itself will not produce pain-killing. Morphine itself as a medication will not destroy or will not take away the pain. What morphine does is morphine acts as an agonist, meaning morphine stimulates certain things in the body that will kill the pain. So that's the function of morphine. So morphine is an agonist. So agonists are things in our body or agonists, they are like a thing that mimic or things that make other things to... Let me, put it, let, me put it, let me put it in this way better for us. Now, agonists will produce an effect on the body. That effect will subsequently carry away our illness or our point of problem. That's what agonists does within the body. So morphine in this case, morphine is an agonist. That's why they say morphine is an agonist because morphine itself activates the receptor. The body has various receptor sites. Now, these sites of reception in the body, when these sites are activated, they carry away the pain sensation. So morphine will not carry the pain sensation, but it will act on those receptor sites. When morphine is acted on those sites, those sites will be the one that will carry away the pins. So that's the, so that's how morphine functions in our body. Morphine also produces sedation, constipation. Now, morphine makes you fall asleep. It causes the GI tract to get slow in movement. Many clients on morphine would take laxative daily to move their bowels because morphine. When morphine blocks those receptor sites, constipation will come because the GI tract will not be multi enough. Morphine will cause the brain to go into sleep. That's why it causes it causes uh, uh, like uh, it suppresses the brain. It makes the brain to become uh, uh, like if you are breathing, it reduces respiratory rate from from for 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 morphine. So these things come with morphine. Now morphine itself will not do these things, but because morphine will act as an agonist on the receptor site, that's why these things will be occurring. That's about agonist. Now, so in this case, agonist targets are receptors. So their targets to work on are the one, the receptors. So their targets are receptors. That's their target under here. So when we take morphine, Morphine target is to work on the receptor site that are producing the pain for the body. That's what morphines will do in this case. Then we have the antagonist. Now, antagonists can block the usual receptor activities that 
will that will create this one like example we have the the, the losa things now losa things are angiotensin 2 receptor blockers now in this case for them um let me just say in this in this form so you understand better the two ways now so one we have the agonist here the agonist we have the antagonist this way now the agonist they activate they activate receptors the antagonist the block receptor just in short that's that's why i mean in short so when you hear the word antagonist when drugs are antagonists they block certain things from being produced when drugs are agonists they stimulate the release of something in the body example we talk about we have one losartan losartan is an ace2 inhibitors when you take this medication what it does is for, for this medication it blocks the effect of the angiotensin in the body when that occur then then the effect is being realized if you take example like i said morphine here morphine stimulate the production of something in the body that will cause the pain to go away so agonists will block uh, uh, for agonists they will produce certain things antagonists will block certain things from from occurring then our body will go into one normal state then we have inhibitors inhibitors are the same as the work as antagonists when you hear inhibitor proton pump inhibitors these drugs that work on also peptic also gastric also they the, the cause of them proton pump inhibitors now the proton pump inhibitor medication they inhibit meaning they stop they block the production of protons in the body because the more protons are produced in the body the the worse our body going to go into one ulcerative states so if you have gastric ulcer and you take proton pump inhibitors these drugs will block the production of proton pump of protons in the body and proton will cause our body to go to have more also in our intestines or in our stomach that's why we're taking the word proton pump inhibitors so the war inhibitors will stop will computer stop the production of other things so we have to understand these words antagonist agonist inhibitors because as we go ahead in the pharmacology we'll see ssri serotonin reuptake inhibitors we'll see uh, monoamines oxidase inhibitors now when you see the words inhibitors it makes sense because you understand that inhibitor will stop something from being produced so when those things are not being produced then our body will be normal if they are being produced our body will be abnormal that's the function of the word inhibitors on those medications any questions so far For our medication, like I said, the client will be your other kind of sit upright. If the client cannot sit upright, the client should be in a supine position and the client should lay their head backward and look in the ceiling while the drugs is being administered in the client's eyes. Moreover, you will rest your dominant hand. You will rest your dominant hand on the client. If the client is um if the client is 
if you have your left hand as a dominant hand, you use your left hand as your dominant hand. If it is your right hand, use your right hand as your dominant hand. Now, you will use your right hand as a dominant hand. You rest your right hand on the client's forehead. You hold the dropper of the, of the medication. You hold the dropper in your hand. Then, you will go ahead, um, drop the medication, or you, the dropper will be in your hand above the client come to tavern. Now, let me just go over the procedure. It's important to go ahead because this can come in, drag and drop in the ankles. The first thing you do, you ask the client to sit upright. If the client cannot sit upright, the client should be in a supine position. The client should take their head and look in the ceiling. You rest your dominant hand on the client's forehead. If you are left-handed, that's a dominant. If you are right-handed, that becomes your dominant hand. So you put your dominant hand on the client's forehead. You hold a dropper above the client conjunctival sac at least one to two centimeters away from the client alley. Drop the medication into the center of the side of the client coming up, not the side, not the corner, not the inner corner or the outer counter. The the just be dropped in the middle of the client or uh, uh sack. Avoid placing it directly on the client cornea. I drops we do not want to place our drop on the client's cornea and have the client close their eyes gently. The client should not um, blink their eyes. If the client blinks his eye or the client blinks her eyes, the eye drop will drop from the client's eyes. So in that case, we have to repeat it. I repeat this. If, the, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you administer an eye drop, and the client blinks their eyes. You have to repeat that particular drugs administration for eye drop. Now, you apply gentle, you apply gentle pressure with the fingers and a clean facial tissue on the client nasal lacrimal dot for at least half a minute or a full minute. That is 30 seconds or 60 seconds to prevent systemic absorption of the medication. If you are instilling more than one eye drop in the client's eye, always give the client at least five minutes apart to instill eye drop. These things are very important for the ankles. They're gonna come in case scenario. If you don't understand these things, read it to answer the question, we can go ahead to answer the question. It is important. For eye ointments, if you are administering eye ointment, apply a thin ribbon. That is the thin, what comes from it, like a paste. That's what we call the ribbon. Now, apply a thin ribbon to the inner edge of the lower eyelid on the computer from the wall, the inner to the, out, to the outer. So for eye ointment, we start from the inner canters to the outer canters, like this, like this. Come inside, go out. For the eye ointment, for the eye drop, we drop it in the middle of the tower, not on the cornea. These are very important for eye drop, for eye medication. For the ears, if we're gonna administer ear drugs, we should always use 
uh, at the time to sit upright or on the client's side. We straighten the ear by pulling the arc of the ear upward and outward for other. Upward and outward for other. For children, we pull the ear down and backward. Because a child is smaller than an adder, the child is lower, the child is down, we pull the ear down and back. For adder, pull the up wall, and we, for adder, we pull the arc of the ear up wall and out wall. For children, down wall and back. Let's remove this for adder and children when it comes to the ear medication. Um, we hold a dropper once in the middle above the ear canal, we instill the medication and then gently apply pressure with a finger to the triggers of the ear, unless it is painful. If it is painful, the ear has a problem. Like when the client has orthotics media uh, internal, the ear organ will become painful. In that case, we do not pull the ear. Now, if necessary, uh, now we do not press a cotton ball deep into the ear canal. If necessary, gently place it into the outer ear or into the other part of the ear canal for the cutting, but do not push it in there. Let the client remain in the silent position if possible for at least two to three minutes after instilling the ear drop in the ears. If the client comes back, the fluid or the drop would roll out, then we have to repeat the procedure for client who will do that. For the nose, the nose is an accepted technique. We use an accepted technique for the nose. The nose, when we are using drugs, we use an accepted technique. The client should lie in a supine position with the head position to allow the drugs to enter into the prescribed nasal passage. We use our dominant hands to instill the drops, supporting the client head with our non-dominant hand. So we're gonna hold the drugs with our dominant hand, support the client with our non-dominant hand while we instill the medication. Get the client to breathe through their mouth. They should stay in supine position and not to blow their nose for at least five minutes after the installation of the medication. For five minutes, they cannot blow their nose after we've administered the medication. Now, you have to look at the MDR, the meter dose inhaler. Look at it in the book, the MDR, meter dose inhaler, and the drought powder, drought, uh, the DPR, drought powder inhaler. These two medications can come in drag and drop. Look at it and know how to do it on your own. I'm not going to go over here. If I go over here, it will make a help to you. got to look at it now. How you remember these things at home is by demonstrating this procedure on your own time by yourself. You stand in front of your mirror, take a pen, take any bottle you have, use it as the meter dose inhaler. Demonstrate the procedure several times in front of the mirror in your bathroom, whether you want to stand, look at yourself as you read the step by step description of the procedure. Perform the act step by step 
three or four times a day, two or three times, two or three times a week, you will not have a minister meet up those inhaler without even looking at anymore. Do not memorize the course. All the books will not bring the same step. It will be the same procedure, but the map out of words in the English will add some words and subtract some words from the, from the drag and drag. So the only way you can be able to help yourself is to stand in front of the mirror and demonstrate the procedure several times on several different occasions to remind it very well for the English. These are things you want to learn and know them to your fingertip. Likewise, the dry powder in here. The middle dose, we can shake it. The dry powder, we do not shake it. Read the procedure, understand which one, what can you do in dry powder, DPR, what can you do in MDR, middle dose inhaler? Um, we so we we'll look at these things in now. Another one is um the NG tube and the gastro stomach tube. We have the nasal gastric tube and the G tube. Now these two tubes, we have similar. They are similar, but they are different in terms of function. Now on the on this tube, there are things we want to understand for this tube. One. We want to verify the proper tube placement. Well, it's a G tube, it is an NG tube. We want to verify the tube placement properly. Another thing is, we want to use a syringe and allow the client to allow the drugs to flow in gravity or push it in with the plunger of the syringe. Another thing is to prevent the tube from clogging, whether it is the NG tube or it is the G tube. To prevent it from clogging or from clogging, we flush the tube before and after use with at least 15 to 30 ml of warm sterile water. We flush with another 15 to 30 ml of water of sterile water after we use the medication because we want to clear the lumen of the tubing after drugs administration to, pre to, to, to prevent clogging. For general guidelines, we want to use liquid from a medication. If not available, consider crushing the drugs before using it. We do not administer sublingual drugs through NG tube. We do not administer sublingual drugs because it's not going to work if we put it into the gastric area. Because sublingual drugs, like I said, they should be absorbed in the water in the mucosa. If we put it in the NG tube, it's not going to work. We do not crush drugs that are prepared to be swallowed, like extended release drugs. There are some drugs, they call them the extended release medication. These medications, they cannot work in the client's stomach. So they have extended time to be released. Some of them, they are in capsule. So when we take it, it takes time before they are released. But these drugs, if we crush them, they're not going to work. If we take them from in the capsule, they're not going to work. Then we have like drug fluid filled drugs, enteric, enteric coated medications. They're not going to work for us. We administer these drugs separately. We do not mix drugs with enteral feedings. Completely dissolve crushed tablet and capsule with at least 30 ml of water before it can be used. For suppository, we have rectal suppository and we have vaginal suppository. This medication will always wear glove. 
remove the wrapper and lubricate the rectum or the vagina if we have to use this suppository either in the rectum or in the or in the vagina we must we must lubricate those opening before can can be used for the rectum it could be thin it could be in a bullet shape to be administered in this case the client should assume a lateral or a sin position before we get this medication it could be a lateral the nurse will have access to the client anus if the client is in the wire, lateral or a sin position for this medication um we insert the suppository in the uh, in the anus above or it should go beyond the wire, the finger muscle or the finger muscle or the finger um area of the of the rectum because that's the like uh, that is like uh, the 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 blood line that is the internal finger uh, it should go above it because if it does not go above it the client will push it out when the client try to walk as uh, a side force when it's going in so we must try to always make sure that it is it is above that particular line we should tell the client to remain flat on the client left for at least five minutes after we insert this medication for the vaginal tap the vaginal suppository the client is placed in the knee bent and feet flat or dorsal recovering position. The client is in the dorsal recovering position. We use the applicator if, if available to insert the suppository into the posterior wall of the vagina at least 7.5 to 10 centimeters within the wall, the vaginal canal. Tell the client to remain in that position. For at least five minutes after we insert the medication, we can use an applicator to do this procedure. These are things we do with, with, the, with the medication. Now, um, we make sure for other drugs, we look at like uh, the Z-Track techniques. Z-Track is another technique beside the MDR that comes in drug and drug. Drug and drug, the Z track technique when we are administering medication injection. Now, there are some drugs we use the Z track to administer it. Now, like for example, for this drugs, we must use this technique when we are administering IM injection because it is less painful and it prevents the drugs from leaking back when it's administered. Like iron death strain, we want to use the Z track to administer iron death strain to the client. We use the Z track for drugs that can cause. Permanent skin steam, like I said, all the uh, the iron person, the iron medication can cause steam. Even if you take it in your mouth, you must rinse the muscle. If you get it in the in the muscle, it causes muscle steam. It causes uh, it causes so much pain. So we must use the Z trap technique to administer these iron preparations when they are iron. We also put down in this case, um, pull the skin and online tissue about two point five centimeters. To the side and hold it there so we push the skin to the side at least two to fast or in the middle you can watch it on youtube because i, I can't watch I can it watch it on youtube to see it and know it she's still with you so you push the skin on the side at least to 2.5 in the middle which is one inch to the side and hold it there you insert the needle at 90 degree is the needle goes in at negative degree angle and inject the medication. You do not pull it out. You wait in after the needle is, is inserted. 
you wait for at least 10 seconds. You count one, two, three to 10 seconds, and then you release the tissue while withdrawing the medication. So, so you go in like this, you push the skin one side, the skin gets folded or the skin gets a grip. You take a medication injection. When you sort of get it into the client's skin, when it, when it goes in, you have to, as you pull it out, you are releasing the skin. That will not cause much pain and will help the client to prevent several things. Now, like how I'm saying it, I'm not demonstrating it well, but you have to go on YouTube and watch how to administer iron dextrin injection using the Z-Track techniques or double Z-Track techniques that will bring you a lot of techniques lot of video watch the video look at the procedure in your book and for the procedure where the procedure because this can come in drag and drop in the ankles look at it very well for your ankles so those are things i want to go what go over with us now another important things that i will give us as an assignment is for us to look at um um epidural so we have what we call the epidural injection. Um, we have epidural, epidural. So you want to look at epidural and look at spinal. Look at our uh, epidural and just look at it. And uh, I'm not going to ask for it. We're not going to. So when we get it, we just want you to read about it and know about it. Right, then we do spinal anesthesia and epidural anesthesia. So the summary is look at epidural anesthesia and look at uh, spinal anesthesia. Now, when you look at them, we'll come back and we'll reach them with this question, but just look at them and know what they are. You're going to see that some books can get in time, but if you look at it on the internet, look at the do's and don'ts about epidural, look at the do's and don'ts about spinal. Now, if you look at it, come back next time, we'll go ahead. Now, there are things about them that we want to know. When can we get epidural? When can we get spinal? At what level of the spinal cord do we give, do we administer epidural? At what areas do we administer the spinal? These are things you want to look up. You, 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 these are things you want to go ahead and look up for. Any questions so far? First, um, the drugs has what we call the class. Now, the drugs class is the chemical makeup of those drugs that fall in the same class. Now, those drugs that fall in the same class, they might have different, not they might, but they have different mode of actions, but they might have similar therapeutic effect. Example, look at diuretics. Now, on a, here we have different form of diuretics. Now, these diuretics, you have the loop diuretics. You have the tazar diuretics you have the what you have the osmotic diuretic you have the what you have potassium sparing you have the potassium sparing diuretic they have different type but guess what we do not always give this medication at once or in the same condition if a client has a disorder kidney problem if a client has a brain tumor it's going to having fluid expression within the brain. Yes, we can give these drugs in this in these two cases, but we cannot administer a loop in the case of brain tumor. 
We cannot administer a taza on the client has you know we administer osmotic like manitor in a brain tumor because manitor is selective in draining fluid from our body is very selective but a loop will not select that this is the brain tumor so i'll never withdraw the fluid from in the brain it will, will withdraw every fluid from our body so the drugs might fall in the same category but they might have different uses so that's about the drugs class then we have the drugs mode of action drugs have what we call mode of action the drugs mode of action is how the medication can produce the therapeutic effects. So how the drugs will produce its effect to provide a therapy. That's what we call the drugs therapeutic effect. For example, Blapizide is an oral hypoglycemic agent that lowers blood sugar by increasing or stimulating the pancreatic acid cell to release insulin. So Blapizide, it is the drugs Glapizide. Glapizide is a what? It's an oral hypoglycemic agent. This drugs. Now, there are several of them that fall on oral hypoglycemic agent, but they all do not work the same way. This medication stimulates the pancreatic cells to produce insulin. That's the function of this drugs. So that's how this drug lowers. That, that's how this drugs lowers the blood sugar. So if the body, if the client has pancreatic cancer that is called or pancreatic problem that is causing the client to have hyperglycemia, in this case, we cannot administer glapizide. It's not going to work because this drug will not work on the pancreas. So if the client, the, the client has a pancreatic problem that is causing the client to have a hyperglycemia or, or the client having diabetes mellitus, we cannot administer glapizide because it's not going to work. In that case, because this drug only work on the one on the pancreas to stimulate it, it other cells to produce insulin. So in this case, that's the drug's mode of action. That's why the ankles wants you to know this drug's mode of action, and that's why pharmacology is because the, the doctor or the nurse must know these things like how it is written. Then we have the drug's therapeutic effect. Now, the drug therapy effect is the expected effect for which the nurse will administer the drugs. One drug can have more than one therapeutic effect. Example is what? Um, there are drugs that have, more than, like, like Tylenol. Tylenol can be what? Antipyretic. It can be what? It can be analgesic. It has different uses. Now, drugs can have, you can have one drug that might fall in one in different classes that will have different therapeutic effect. Then we have drug side effect. The drug side effect, drug side effect. Um, now drug side effects. Um, these are expected and predictable effects that come with the drugs. So these side effects they are predictable. They are expected. Effect of the drugs, so you have like a, you have like a drugs like a, ampicillin. Ampicillin has a what, a, a negative effect of a side effect of what diarrhea, nausea, vomiting. Those are things that we expect to happen when a client takes uh, ampicillin. 
that become the side effect. Those are things that we expect, they are predicted about the drugs. That when you take those drugs, this will happen, that become the drug side effect. Then we have the drugs advert effect. The advert effect are not predicted. Or, um, not say, they are not, they might be predicted, but they are undesired. So the advert effect, they are like undesirable effect. They might be predicted or do not want, do not want to happen in the case of taking medication. So for this advert effects, we say they are undesirable, they are inadvertent, they are unexpected, and they are potentially dangerous responses to the medication. Some are immediate, whereas other takes weeks to months to develop for the client. For the drugs advert effects, it is the unwanted effect of the drugs when it's administered. For example, we have the gentamicin. Now, gentamicin has an advert effect of what? Autotoxicity. All of these drugs, loop diuretics, fluoresima also has the same advert effect as well. It causes ear problem. So these are advert effect of this medication. They are undesired effect of medications. Then we have the drugs toxic effect. The drugs toxic effect, it is that effect that have specific risk and symptoms of its toxicity. So these drugs have specific risk and they have symptoms of this risk. They can develop after they get just for a long time or even a short time when the amount needed exceeds the amount taken, then the drugs will hit its toxic effect. You need 10 milligrams of a medication and they give you 100 milligrams, the drug becomes toxic for the body. It builds up its byproduct. That is what we call the drug toxic effect. For example, a nurse who would the money to take in the Taking the drugs in for arrhythmia. Now the the, the the drugs got more and the drugs now is causing hypokalemia. That becomes a what a toxic effect of the drugs, the drug of, of the drug, the drugs in. When take more, it causes what hypokalemia in our body. In this case, now then we have um contraindications. These are conditions in which the drugs cannot be administered. So if we have these conditions, we can administer these drugs. Like when you have liver problem, you can take anti-TB drugs. You can take certain of, uh, some of them, they, like the INH, the Asoniaza. You don't take it when you're having what? Liver conditions. There are certain diuretics you don't take when you have what? When you're having kidney problems. Like you don't administer tetracyclines with children above or children below eight years or children or breastfeeding mothers. It will sting the teeth of the children. So those are drugs um, and uh, contraindications. Then we have various types of prescription for medication. Um, now. Drugs has a chemical name, it has a generic name, and it has a trade name. 
Now the chemical name is the name of the drugs and it's the drug's chemical composition. That is the drug's molecular weight, the drug's molecular component. That's about the drug's, uh, that's about the drug's chemical name. Now, uh, the drug's generic name is the drug's official non-proprietary names, meaning the drug's Tylenol. Tylenol in this country is called Tylenol. In my hometown is called Paracetamol. In other area, they call it Panadol. Now, these are different names. These names are trade names. But these names, the generic name of those drugs is what we call the acetaminophen. Acetaminophen. So acetaminophen becomes the drug's generic name. It is the drug's name that was given to it when the drugs was first produced. So when you hear different names of medications coming out after the drug's generic name, those names are names given to the, to the drugs by the drugs manufacturing companies. So this is how you look at it. Now the trade, like I said, is the CR. So these are like the drugs trade name: Tylenol, Paracetamol, Panadol, Pink Gold Rub, Pink Gold This, This. All those drugs are all they're not real names. You sometimes you not find those names in in uh, in a drug book. You not find it. So those are names of the drugs. Then the drugs has types and different prescription. Now, we have a single use or a one-time drugs prescription. Now, these are drugs that we administer just one time as soon as possible. They are drugs that we use as start, uh, I'm sorry, they are drugs we use one Now, these drugs are common. Now, for example, we, when we are fighting like a UTI, we give an elephant dose for the drug like a methanidazole. Now the doctor will say give this medication 800 milligram. This is just a single use. This becomes a single use of drugs. So this is this, how this, you give it one time and you don't give it anymore again. It will help the wife to reduce, it could be given on the loading dose. That becomes a single use drugs. Then we have the stack dose. A stack dose are only for once an immediate administration, like in the case of emergency. Or for example, a stack prescription instructor nurse to administer a uh, Benadryl, 10 milligram iron stack. So stack doses are different. Just immediately, uh, if the client has an emergency, or the client is about to have an emergency, like the client is having pains. So it's, it's uh, so like, uh, okay, get a drug stack. Like Benadryl, the client has like a skin reaction, we give Benadryl as a while as a stack dose. Then we have the PRN order. PRN is when necessary. So we give these drugs when it is necessary to be administered for PRN order. We give it, like the client is, uh, the, the client is having an order of what? Morphine sulfate as PRN. When the client starts to have pains, we administer the morphine sulfate. That becomes a PRN. Extending order. This order is written by a physician or a nurse practitioner, for example, in a critical care unit, when a client breath, when a client respiratory rate drop below twelve, administer this medication. That becomes a standing order. If the client is having air hunger, put on the client six liter of O2. That is a what a standing order. So those are standing orders that the, that we can have in the various healthcare setting. Standing order and other orders. You gotta look at them and know what they are.
Then you can look at the red, the cis red for the for the drug administration, which is important to look at and look at other key components of, of the medication. Any questions so far? Any question? Drugs affecting the nervous system. Under here, we have anxiety and trauma-related medication. These drugs under here will include drugs that can treat panic disorders, drugs that treat OCD, that is obsessive compulsive disorders, drugs that treat post-traumatic stress disorder, all those drugs will be seen under the anxiety and the trauma stressor regular disorders. Under here, persistent anxiety can lead us into a lot of areas. It disables us. It makes us we cannot perform adequately. So we get so traumatized, we get so anxious, our way of reacting to these things, to this situation, will change our personality. Um, it has physical symptoms when we are in traumatic situation or when we become anxious. We're going to have heart palpitation. We're going to have increased uh, heart rate, tachycardia. We're going to have shortness of breath. These are things that we're going to experience when we are having these stress related disorders. Now, under here, the first drug I will look at it, they are the sedative hypnotics anxiolytics. The sedative, sedative hypnotics anxiolytics medication. Anxiolytics medication. Um, we have the sedative hypnotic and the antidepressant. Now, these words we must know them to our fingertips and know what sedatives are, and know what is what what is meant by hypnotics, and know what is meant by um what is meant by anxiolytics to be on the safe side for these medications. Now, under here. We have the first group of drugs that fall these, these drugs as the benzodiazepines. Now, the benzodiazepines, benzodiazepines, are the first group of drugs that fall under this sedative, hypnotic, and anxiolytic medication. The benzodiazepines. Now, there are something peculiar about these benzodiazepines that we need to know for the English. Now, if you look in your book, in your drug book, or on the internet, you look at you look at for this drug for this drug class benzodiazepines. There are some things that will be very unique about them that is not linked to any other medications. So, all the drugs that fall under the benzodiazepines, they will have similarities. Those drugs include the diazepam itself. The lorazepam itself, the chlorodiazepoxide, the chlorazepate, and the oxazepam or the clonazepam. These are just a four under the wire, the, the benzodiazepines. 
So I would write it down for us to look at one by one. We have the diazepines. We have the lorazepam. We have the chloro. Um, we have the clo. We have the the the, the so it's clodazepine. Clodazepines. We have another one we call the oxazepines, and we have one we call as the clonazepine. Clonazepine. Now these are all just a form of the word benzodiazepines. Now there are so many, but the anchor is concerned about the most commonly used benzodiazepines. That is our concern. These medications, they enhance inhibitory effects of GABA in the CNS. Don't, it's not important to load this GABA, it's not important, just skip, just skip that. Now, this drug can relieve off from anxiety, that's what it means, it relieves off from anxiety. When you're having anxiety, you take the medication, they relieve your anxiety. That's in short, I want you to know. Um... This medication, they treat trauma regular disorder, like when you have acute stress or when you have post-traumatic stress disorder. These drugs can be administered for these conditions. These drugs can also treat seizure disorder. When the client has a seizure, when the client has insomnia. Now, that's why the drug said sedative, hypnotic, Anxiolytics. So when you become hypnotic, this drug can work. When you are anxious, you are you panicking, it can help. When you cannot sleep, you have insomnia, we get this get so this one diazepine can function in three ways. It functions for sedative client, hypnotic client, and also client who have anxious uh, who have anxiety. Now that's why they said sedative, hypnotic, and anxiolytic. So these are just four of these three groups. So they can treat when the client has insomnia, when the client has muscle spasm, we can administer these medications. When the client has alcohol withdrawal symptoms, we can administer this medication to prevent and treat the acute symptom for the alcohol withdrawal. When the client when the client is uh, they also treat induction of an anesthesia. In the hospital, those who are working before, they can administer diazepam along with those anesthesia, like other anesthesia that the client would take to make them to be uh, uh to, to make it to 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 to, to, to the lost control of the body part that, that, that they will do the surgery on. This drug is amnesic prior to to surgery or other procedures in the hospital. Now, for this medication, uh, these drugs have some complication now i'm not going to go into them one at a time but these are the most commonly used ones so that the is to take your phone take your drugs both and look up this medication like i said those things are self to look out for these drugs one the drugs therapeutic uses two the drugs um okay sorry the just class that's one therapeutic the side effects the advert effect, and you have the drug, maybe like the black box warning. Now, you're not going to read about everything start to end. 
you know what to write. You know certain things when you see certain words or certain words when you read about Dazzy Pen, it rings bell to your ear. The average if you have pen, when you read it, you want to read, you want to know them, know them. You come to the pan, everything one by one to do that. Now, you just read like one word or one sentence in front of every medication. That's how you, you're not going to read a whole book for this medication because these drugs are very important. Now, you know that among these drugs, the most commonly used drug is diazepam, that like everyone of us knows about it. Next one is lorazepam. So, when you read these drugs, you want to look at lorazepam, diazepam, clonazepam. These are the most frequently used benzodiazepam that we have in our hospital. Only you, you read about diastat and about seizure. One thing we have mentioned diastat, you got to read about it and know it. That's how you read and come down to complete your reading about this particular medication. Now, these drugs can cause CNS depression because they can cause sedation. They can also cause CNS depression. This medication can cause lightheadedness. They can cause ataxia. They can cause Decrease cognition. If you are on these drugs, it reduces your intellect. It makes you to be. It, it makes you like low. That's why individuals can always abuse these drugs. They use them as well as drugs to cause addiction because it, it puts you in different states. That's what it, that, that's what the drugs. These drugs will do. Now these drugs, and um, when you are on them, you observe the client for seeing a depression. You notify the doctor if any of these signs occur. You avoid activities like these drugs can can change your state of cognition. So you, you cannot operate machineries when you are on this medic medication. You cannot drive. You can, certain things you cannot do that will keep you alive. You can do this. You can take these drugs and do those things. They're not going to help you. Another thing is you want to avoid. Uh, alcohol and other anti-anxiety medication. When you are on these drugs, you cannot take any other drug for this, any other anti-anxiety medication because these drugs can cause senior depression. And now, other anxiety drugs can also cause senior depression. So if you take this drug and took all drugs that will cause depression, you are overdosing yourself. The effect will be an overdosing effect on the, on the brain, which is not good for the client. So, this drugs can also cause what we call um when you are on this medication this drugs can cause what we call the ant the the anterior grade uh the anterior grade amnesia this drugs can cause anterior grade amnesia now this is a condition in which uh, the client has a difficulty in recalling recall the event that occurs after dosing the client cannot remember it's a short-term memory loss the client cannot remember even that occur after the client took this medication what we call the anterior grade amnesia it is a complication when you're on this drug so when you are reading about this drug these are words that are new that are now used every day these drugs are complicational uh, words that we will take for this, we use for this drug. So you want to remember this anterior grade amnesia that comes with uh benzodiazepines. Then in this case, if this comes, what we do, we notify the client for these drugs. This medication can also be toxic, meaning if this drug supersedes, if this drug is given 
and the drugs exceed a therapeutic level, it can cause toxic effect or it can cause toxicity. In this case, we have the acute toxicity. Now, the client will be drowsy. When it, when, when it becomes toxic, the client will be drowsy. Drowsy. The client will be lethargic. The client will be confused. will have confusion. So this drug's toxic effect, the benzodiazepines, toxic effect include drowsiness, lethargic, and confusion. So if it happens, what do we do? If the client become uh now I'm sorry, so this 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 is not R4 <clears throat> the oral toxic effect. Now for the RV toxicity of this medication, the client going to have one, the client will get a little respiratory depression, the client will have uh, uh regular depression. That's one. Two, the client is going to also have um, severe hypertension. The client will have hypertension. Oh, not here. The client is going to have cardiac or arrest. The client will have cardiac arrest. Cardiac arrest occurs under here. The client will also have under here. The client can also have like a bradycardia. Exactly, the client is going to have. When the client is on the RV tablet. Now, it is good to remember. Now, you see here, the book gave us two descriptional views of the drugs. Now, when you are reading a book, every time the book made or the, every time the book makes a comparison between two things, those are endless testing points for slant or diaplar. Over here, we have the oral, when you're on the oral benzodiazepine, pound, the client will be drowsy. They will have retarded and they will have confusion. If on the RV does the pan, or, or on the RV, on the RV better does the pan, the client will have a depression, hypertension, and the client will have cardiac arrest. One is for RV, one for what? Oral. So we've got to understand this variation. When this happens, what can we do? The, first of all, the nurse that will monitor the client for this medication to, 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 to toxicity. The nurse will do gastric lavage. The nurse will do, if you've ever had this problem, the nurse will do one gastric lavage. They will do gastric lavage. Then the nurse will go ahead also. The nurse will uh, um, administer. Activated charcoal. Charcoal. Another one. The third one is the nurse will administer saline cathartics. Now, I will think this thing one more give me a little chance. Now, the nurse will do this and the nurse will assist the RN or assist the RN or provider with IV administration of Flumazinil. So they will administer um, flumazinil, flumazinil medication. They will be administered. The next thing they're going to do also in this case, um, they will monitor, they will monitor the client Vatasan, methane patent airway. They will monitor Vatasan and methane airway. They will methane airway. Then they will go ahead 
and also provide fluid to maintain blood pressure and they will have so they'll provide of uh, fluid for the bp then they will do a cpr just in case or they'll have cpr equipments equipments available now there are three reasons why we do uh g tube g tube now one of the reasons is you have gastric lavage now lavage is taking out what the client has already swallowed in their stomach will take it out now we'll take it out the client will take charcoal charcoal goes in and absorb what the charcoal going and will withdraw what the intestinal mucosa have already absorbed so the charcoal will like will like will like draw out the drugs that already been absorbed into the client system then we go in we provide silicatonic to lubricate uh, to to flush then we'll get this, this drugs is the antidote is the antidote for benzodiazepine flumazenil is the antidote for all benzodiazepines then we'll go ahead and monitor the client vital sign and the client airway we provide fluid because the client having hypotension in the symptom we just talked about so in this we'll provide fluid to increase the client bp we always have the CPR equipment. Just in case if the client goes into cardiac arrest, we provide the client resuscitation to bring back the client. These are things we do when the client has that or the benzodiazepine towards the effect. Now, the N class will not use the word benzodiazepine as a drug class. They will use one of the medications. A client is on clonazepam. And the client had the following sort of symptom. The client is having confusion. <clears throat> the client is having lethargy. The client is having decreased observation. What would the nurse do immediately? Now, the question did not talk about benzodiazepine toxic effect. But just the symptoms that I mentioned within the question those symptoms are linked to only one condition of the medication that is the one the toxic effect of benzodiazepines so we have to remove these symptoms and know that these symptoms are linked to those medication toxic effect or those conditions so that when the symptoms come in the ankles we can analyze the symptoms and know what we're looking for in the question that's how the ankles about ankles about analyzing what the question says linking what are in the question as the data that we're going to take from the question and how can we uh, align this data in the question with a case scenario that will make sense to us, that will give us an idea on the option. So these are things we look at for the, for the anchors. So we're going to stop here. Um, when we come back, we'll complete... Um, this particular topic, uh, then we'll look at another topic. So thank you very much. Have a blessed weekend and uh, we wish everybody well. Please look at these things when you leave from here. It is important to look at them. Take your time, look at them. I will upload the audio.